0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Cross Point Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out. And enjoy the episode
1: so anyways uh, if you have your Bibles Romans chapter number 8 Romans chapter number 8 told y'all I was sleepy didn't realize how much until I just said that so Romans 8 is where we're going to be Um, if you have uh, just been or if you're just joining us we started a series a couple weeks ago entitled changed uh, what does it look like for us as Christians to be changed and so um, when we experience the Word of God as um, as it sinks down into our lives and um, how we can apply it to our lives and so we've just been talking about how do we change and what I um, really have been trying to bring up every week is that it seems as though that very few Christians actually are ever-changing Um, And I'll talk about this more at the end of the lesson, but if you can look back on a time in your life where you were more like Jesus Christ than you are now, um, then you're not changing. You're not experiencing the change that comes from God. And so Romans chapter number eight, today we're going to talk about the enemy of change, the enemy of change. So we've talked a lot about what changes you, where does change occur, uh, how does change happen? But today we're gonna talk about the enemy of change because any battle that you are going to face in life, it's important to know who you're fighting. It's important to know um, what you're up against. And so the enemy of change, I want you to look in Romans chapter number eight. We're going to read a little bit more of a lengthy and deep passage. Romans chapter number eight is sometimes referred to as the Mount Everest of doctrine. All right. The Mount Everest of doctrine. And so uh, meaning that it's pretty high. Um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty deep. It's got, some, uh, it's got some depth to it. And so if you don't pay attention, you could miss it. Um, but Romans chapter number eight is where we will be reading. And we'll read the first 14 verses uh, as we look at this idea of the enemy of change. The Bible says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. I want you to notice how many times the words spirit and flesh show up in this passage. It says, "...for the law of the Spirit of life in in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh." that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead of, uh, because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God... They are the sons of God. I want you to go back up and look at verse number 12. The Bible says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. The enemy of change. Let's pray. We'll talk for just a couple minutes about the enemy of change and then how we can experience victory over it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the day that uh, you are going to call these mortal bodies home and that you will make them immortal. We look forward to the day that the battle of this flesh will be over. And God, I ask you to help us as Christians to rely upon your spirit and upon your power to experience change in our lives. Lord, may we stop counting on ourselves to do that which only you can do. And may we rely upon your spirit to do that which only he can do. God, I ask you to help us today as we look into your word. Lord, may we take it. May we apply it to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say. Help me to rely upon you. In your name we pray. Amen. The enemy of change. The enemy of change. How many of you, you would consider yourself to be pretty hard on yourself? You're pretty hard on yourself. Okay, kind of beat yourself up about some things. Uh, I have a tendency to do that. Um, as well uh... i told you there was a sermon illustration probably in the story uh... that i gave at the beginning of class about the flights and um, I just automatically, when I see a situation that's not going the way that I think that it should, or, or maybe it's not going the way that I want it to, I have a tendency to look at myself and say, well, Joel, you could have done this differently. Like we could have gotten to the airport four hours early and we could have checked to see if there were other tickets available. We could have paid extra or we, we could have bought our tickets earlier or we could have done this. And so I have a tendency to kind of look inwardly when there's a problem. And it's not that that's a bad thing, But the truth is, is that our change is not up to us. Our change is up to the spirit of God. We must be surrendered to what the spirit of God wants, but we as human beings have a tendency to look at ourselves and sometimes beat ourselves up. Well, you should have done that better. You should have maybe saw that coming or, or you should have seen that relationship going that direction. And here's what I want you to see out of this passage. not necessarily a point that I want you to see, but just from this passage, I want you to notice that there will be a constant battle with your flesh. You will constantly be battling life in this flesh, meaning this. There's always going to be something that you can blame yourself for or that someone else can blame you for. There's always going to be something that you're going to be battling. For some of you, the flesh, and when we talk about the flesh, there may be a battle with anxiety. There may be a battle with uh, stress. There there may be a battle with some sort of sin or some sort of immorality, some sort of addiction. There will be battles in the flesh. There will constantly be battles in the flesh. That's the way that the flesh would have it to be. But before we get too deep into this, this passage and into our points, I want you to remember this. Is that while there will always be an ongoing battle with the flesh you have someone who is fighting with you. You see, the enemy of change, the enemy of what is going on in your life is going to be your flesh. What keeps you from being maybe here as a Christian and constantly being stuck here is that you live in the flesh. Paul says in Galatians chapter number two, he says, though I live in the flesh, he says, I'm still here. I still live in the flesh, but this is my desire. He says later on in Romans, he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I I do, I didn't want to do. How many can identify with that, okay, in your Christian life? Like, okay, this is what I desire to do, and sometimes I don't get to do that. But this is what I don't desire to do, and somehow that's what I end up doing. And so he says that this is is life in the flesh. This is the battle that you will face. But it's so interesting to me that as Paul really writes the deepest writing of Romans in Romans chapter number 8, And as he writes about the flesh, I want you to notice how often he refers back to the spirit. And so while you are constantly and will constantly fight a battle in the flesh, you must understand that you have someone that is fighting along with you. And so I want you to recognize three different thoughts out of this passage as we think about the enemy of change. The first one is this. Recognize the state of your flesh. Recognize the state of your flesh. He says through the first 11 verses multiple times about how that the flesh has been destroyed, how, how the flesh has been crucified. He says in verse number uh, four, he says, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He says the law shows up as we walk in the spirit. He says in verse number two, he says that Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It's important to understand that we must recognize the state of our flesh, meaning this. We must understand that the flesh that we give into, the life that we give into after salvation, whether it be sin or whether it be some sort of anxiety or some sort of stress or, or whatever, some sort of selfish thought, that life that we give into is a life that has been dead. I've used this as an illustration before and I don't want to sound crude, I don't want to sound disrespectful, I just want you to get a mental picture of this, okay? Most likely you've had someone in your family pass away, which is always a sad moment, okay? Something that you should grieve over, something that you should take time to think over. But how strange would it be if you as a human being had such an attachment to that person that you kept them around in your life? Okay? I want you just to think, I, once again, I'm not trying to be crude or disrespectful, okay? What if you found a way to take your great-grandma to the, to the grocery store with you? It'd be a little bit strange, wouldn't it? People look at you like, what is... Good? That's the type of thing that memes are made out of, right? That's the type of thing that people are walking around like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with this person? Because death, even though it is difficult... There's a natural disassociation with it, isn't there? It's almost as if I, 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 we've been around uh, a lot of grieving families here as a church and as a church staff. And there's some people that they almost feel like the, uh, the sooner that I can get their body in the ground, the quicker I can begin to grieve and understand what's happening. Maybe the, the sooner that we can get funeral arrangements. And there's some people that they try to stretch it out because maybe family's coming into town. But it's almost like the sooner that that happens, the sooner that your mind and your body and your heart can begin to cope with what you're experiencing. Very rarely do we have someone who's just like, I just want to st- want them to stick around. I just want them to spend time, spend some more time at the house. So immediately when someone dies at a house or dies at a hospital, they're calling the coroner, they're calling the funeral home to come pick them up and to start that process. Because why? Death has a disassociation. Now listen to this. If your flesh is dead and you continue to carry it around through this life, that should be a little bit strange to you as a Christian. The same way that people would look at you maybe strolling someone into the grocery store who's passed away or getting on a flight and buckling up someone because, well, I've got to keep them around. You're carrying death along with you. That's strange. That's abnormal. That's not the way that the human mind and human life is supposed to work. But listen to this. Every time that you return to the flesh that has been crucified with Jesus Christ, what you're doing is you're digging something that's dead back up. You're returning to something that is dead and that has already been paid for. There should already have, the grieving process of your flesh should already have been overcome. You should have gone ahead and put it away. So I want you to see this is that as you develop a perspective of change and you, the enemy that you will fight, which is your flesh, I want you to get the perspective of this is dead to me. Every time you maybe return to an anxious thought that is, that is not of God, that's you digging back up something that's dead. Every time that you return to maybe some immoral action or some immoral TV show or, or some sort of immorality in your life, every time you do that, you're digging something up that's dead. And if we desire to defeat the enemy of change, we must have this perspective of that what I am digging up is actually dead. So first of all, recognize the state of your flesh. Secondly, I want you to see this because I think the wording here is so cool. I want you to recognize the debt of your spirit. Recognize the debt of your spirit. In the first 11 verses, he goes through and he says, this is where your flesh is. Your flesh is dead. Your, your flesh has been paid for. Your, your flesh has been crucified. You no longer live under the flesh. You no long, you're no allowed to live now in the spirit. You no longer have to enjoy the flesh. You can be free from that. That's been paid for. And he says for 11 verses, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're, you are in the spirit. And he tells you all of these things. But then he says this. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, To live after the flesh. How many of you you kind of you kind of have the outlook on life the where it's just like well I just want to have fun like I just want I just want to wherever I'm at like I like we always joke with Baylor like she brings the party with her okay like like I mean wherever Baylor is at there's a party. Okay? Like they could be in the middle of a restaurant, it could be, last night we were, uh, our kids, we hadn't gotten to see them, we spent an extra night in, in Los Angeles, I already mentioned that. And so we had told him, we we're like, we're gonna do something tonight. Like we're gonna go out to eat. We're gonna uh, maybe go do something fun. And then, so we ended up at Andy's. Well, Baylor and Blakely were just like, Braxton's our one. Like he orders his little Andy's uh, ice cream and then, or custard, whatever it is, okay. And then he goes and he sits on the bench and he'll talk to you like a grown adult. And like Baylor and Blakely just couldn't stand still. Like Baylor's walking around and she's she's talking to people. And like, they went and found someone who had brought their dog and they're, and they're like talking to people like. With their dog like because baylor brings the party with her because she just has this perspective on life to where it's like i'm just going to get all i can get out of it she's going to squeeze it for every drop of joy and happiness that there is last night lauren was working with her on some homework while we were that she had messed up on while we were gone and she was trying to get her to read, and Blake and Baylor was going. I just, I just want to go play. I just, I don't want to do this. I just, I just want to go play. I just want to. It's just like, just, just like I just want to live it up. Like why do? And it was like you literally have to. Re, like if this is the struggle now with you reading five vowels and whatever and consonants, like imagine what it's going to be when you have two hours worth of math homework. Like, like just uh, like she's already. Taught, I just want to play. I don't even want to do this. And so. But, like, that's just the way that she is. And, once again, Braxton's our one. Like, he's just dedicated. Like, as soon as we pulled out schoolwork, he was all back into it, all right? But for some of us, we almost operate as though we owe a debt to get everything we can out of this life, okay? How many of you have ever heard of FOMO, okay? Fear of missing out, all right? The way I always give Jordan Dow a hard time. I'm like, you have some serious FOMO. Like, like if I'm just in the, uh, if I just like take a sip of my coffee, I'm like, oh man, that's good. He's like, what's in it? What, what, what did you put in it? Why is it so good? Where did you go? What, like when? Like if I come back in the office, he's like, where have you been? I'm like, I just went to home for lunch. Like I didn't like go party without you or something. Okay. Well. FOMO like we have this fear of missing out like oh my goodness like I actually heard something someone the other day I can't I can't think of the acrostic now off the top of my head but I have the phobia fear of being included that's me all right like I don't like oh my goodness I can't believe you invited me to that like just leave me alone all right but the fear of missing out and the fear of being included, like we just uh, like we just have this desire to get everything that we can out of life. Like, well, I don't want to miss out on anything. Like like some of you, you could be dead tired. And if someone's like, hey, we're going to go do this, like I'm in, like count me in. I just don't want to miss out. And we almost consider it as though we owe a debt to ourselves. Like how many of you have ever justified something like I've worked hard this week. I deserve to go and get a $79 steak. Like, and it's like with $83 in my bank account, I deserve this like i have worked hard for this all right why because we have a way of convincing ourselves that we owe ourselves that we owe a debt and when you owe a debt and i want you to listen to this when you owe a debt you operate differently don't you when you think that you are do something you live differently. And in verse number 12, he says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, and I want you to see the wording, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Right now there are Christians that they've fallen into sin because its they almost think that, well, I, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been going to church for four years. I can justify that. Uh, this week I read my Bible six days out of the week and so I can watch whatever I want to tonight. This week I, 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 I didn't cuss and so I can do whatever I want to on Friday night. And what we're doing is this, is we are saying I owe a debt but the debt is to my flesh and not to the spirit. And Paul says ye are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Which leads us to the third thought is recognize the debt of your spirit, not the flesh, but thirdly, recognize the power of the spirit. Recognize the power of the spirit. He says this, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of your body, ye shall live. He says, but through the Spirit do mortify. Here's what he's saying. You must first recognize that the flesh that you give into so often as a human being, that's dead. That's been paid for. Don't dig it back up. And the debt that you owe is not to yourself to just go and live life however you want and live after the flesh. No, the debt that you owe is actually to the Spirit. But then watch this. He says, but ye through the Spirit do mortify your deeds. How many times do we as Christians, we do something, we live after the flesh, we give in to the flesh, we we get frustrated, and what do we do? Oh, I gotta do better. Right? I, I, I can't believe I did that. But he says, if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, meaning this, that it's not your job to do what only God can do in you. I've heard it said that the way that we should view sin and grace and some of these things is not, oh, no, I messed up. I need to hide from Dad. Okay, how many of you, you, maybe you grew up as a kid and maybe you did something, maybe you made a stain on something that you know your mom or dad was going to kill you for, and it's like, oh no, I messed up, I need to hide, or I need to cover this. But rather, oh no, I messed up, I need to go tell dad. I need to go tell someone about this. And sometimes in this Christian life, here's what we have a tendency of doing. Well, I'm going to hide this until I can get it figured out. I'm going to hide what I'm struggling with until I can maybe get some help with it. When what we should be doing is saying, oh no, I, man, I messed up. I need to tell God about this. Oh no, I don't know what's going on. I need to talk to my heavenly Father about this. Because it's through the Spirit of God that God allows us to begin to mortify. That word mortify means to put to death, meaning this. That it's through the Spirit that you take the action of living in the way that Christ has already told you to live. The flesh is dead, but it's through the Spirit of God that we say, I'm going to kill it every single day. And rather than, I want, please don't miss this, okay? Rather than every day of your life or every week of your life going and digging something back up that is the flesh that is dead. Wouldn't it be great if we just simply revisited those, that grave site and said, Lord, I'm thankful for what you did here. My grandparents passed away my grandma passed away when I was uh, still in elementary school. Or actually, I think it was right before my 13th birthday. The day before my 13th birthday, my grandmother passed away. And so we had gone home to West Virginia. And then my grandfather passed away um, when I was a freshman in college. And so I flew home for that. And I uh, didn't really get a chance to say goodbye or anything. Talked to him on the phone. And, um, but flew home for that my freshman year. And um, I remember the first time we went back to West Virginia um we drove past their house and we went to see some family and some of that but you know what's interesting is what we did when we were there is we went and we visited their grave sites and where they where they're buried is this pretty hill Um, up in West Virginia and uh, it's a small little cemetery in fact you pull in and the speed limit sign says seven and a half miles per hour Um, that always stands out to me and so it says seven and a half miles per hour and says do not go any faster and it's like oh that's really hard really hard to find that on the pedal there all right Um, but I can remember I still remember that and I remember even as a little kid thinking that was so weird but it's this pretty spot but we would always go up there and we would my, my dad, he would pick some of the weeds around it, and we would lay flowers there, and we'd make sure everything looks nice. And if you've had a family member who passed away, you've done all of that as well. But what if we as Christians, rather than digging back up the flesh, just simply revisited it and remembered what Jesus Christ had done in our lives? What if instead of giving into the flesh, we just said, you know what, this isn't who I am anymore? I'm thankful for the impact that my grandparents had on me. Uh, I have so many sweet stories that, that I can remember. But now, that there's just a it's a distant memory. It's in the past. Now I go back and I look at what they've done and I remember it. But for us as Christians, we're not called to revisit it so that we can re-experience it. We're called to revisit it so that we can recall what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. And so this week, if you are truly desiring to change, you've got an enemy. But you also have someone who's fighting alongside of you. And my prayer is this, is that through the power of the Spirit, you would mortify that which is dead already in your life. And you would say, I'm just going to revisit it and remember and look forward to what God's going to do in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.